Hey Charles River Church, Pastor Josh here. I'm in North Carolina this weekend speaking at a youth camp. But what that means is you're gonna to get to hear from my friend Jua Robinson. Jua is pastor of Heart Change Fellowship. They meet over by Forest Hill Station. Jua and his wife Regina started the church a handful of years ago. It's a great church, they love Jesus, they're preaching the gospel faithfully, and uh, I'm just so excited for you to learn a little bit more about them and their ministry, and Jua's gonna preach the word to you, so it's gonna be a good morning for you. Jua and his wife uh, went to college to the same school that Becky and I did, and his wife Regina was the dean of women at the time, and so with my wife being the troublemaker that she is, she spent a lot of time in Regina's office. Okay, maybe not, but uh, they went to school there. We didn't know them at that time, uh, but we know them now and just really excited about what God's doing uh, with their church, their family. It's a great family, four beautiful children, and so excited for you to get to hear from Jewish. So do me a favor and show him some love. I'm not there to show him the love, but you show him some love for me today. Give him a hug and uh, just thank him for what he's doing and for coming and sharing with us. And so at this time, uh, put your hands together and welcome Jewish Robinson to the stage. Charles River, that was a really cool video. Man, <clears throat> I may have to ask him to, to do one of those for our church, you know, <laughs> even when I'm there. That was really neat. Um, but no, I'm excited to be here today. Uh, good to see you all. Um, having known Josh for the past few years or so, uh, just hearing his heart for, for the kingdom, uh, his heart to really see disciples made in the city is, uh, is just so encouraging. Um, as he mentioned, uh, he asked me to share a little bit with you all about who we are. Um, my wife and I, Regina, uh, we planted a Heart Change Fellowship back in, uh, I want to say, 2007. Uh, we actually moved here to Boston in 2006 uh, with another family that we were really close friends with uh, in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, a friend of mine from seminary. And uh, we just said, Lord, if you want to use us, where would you want to send us? And uh, we prayed about a number of different cities and uh, really wanted to go to a city that was one complex, of course, Boston. Uh, one that had a high uh, percentage of college students, uh, because we knew for my wife and I, uh, we, we spoke on a lot of co college campuses across the country, and we really wanted to just continue to really see disciples made, but then also really have a connection with the, with the needs of the city. And so to not be solely focused on colleges, but to also engage sort of the life flow of, of the city of Boston. And so when we moved here, we initially planted in Roxbury, uh, we were right by the uh, Ruggles Tea Station by Northeastern and uh, met there for about a year and a half in an in a old Catholic church that wasn't being used on Sundays. It was actually the first uh, sort of meeting uh, place for the singing group New Edition. And so uh, they never came to service, but, you know, they, you know, that's the church that they used. And so it was really cool to be there for, for a while. And then about a year and a half later, we, we moved into a school uh, about five blocks away from there uh, in an area called Orchard Gardens, uh, which used to be known uh, years ago as the roughest neighborhood in the city of Boston, uh, which has been changed a bit. But uh, what the blessing is the, the folks that lived there, once the, the neighborhood was, was transformed, they actually moved back in. And so just a great vision for that, for that community. And so we met there in the school for a few years. And then from there, uh, two years ago, we transitioned to where we are uh, right now at, um, at near Forest Hills at Covenant, uh, Covenant Congregational Church. And it's been an amazing journey. Uh, I know for you all who are here and part of Charles River, you know the journey of church planning and some of the, the highs and the lows and the challenges and everything in between. Uh, but one thing you can honestly attest to is that God's grace and God's hand is continually guiding and, and developing this body 
to be what, even what you can't imagine. And so to see you all here and to see that this, this church is here in Rosendale, that you all are an answer to prayer, that folks have been praying for a church for, for this part of the city, a solid Bible-believing church in this part of the city for a long time. Uh, we actually have our other pastor literally lives around the corner. And, uh, and, and, uh, and actually, when we first moved to Boston, we lived in Rosendale. We live in Hyde Park now because we couldn't afford to buy a house over here. But, um, but, but we live in Hyde Park. And, um, and, and one of the things that, uh, that we were excited about, you know, even in hearing that you all were here, is the fact that, that you all have really been intentional about really embracing the city. And Boston needs more churches like this. And so be encouraged, even through the, the challenges, to know that God is using you and God is going to continue to guide you as you continue to submit to him. Amen? Amen. So as we go into our time today, let me, uh, let me just open us up in a word of prayer. Gracious God, we, we love you, Lord. We thank you for this day. We thank you that, that you have called us as your people to exalt and honor your name for your glory. And so, Lord, we, we, we don't take gathering on Sundays for granted at all. Because we know that in the gathering, Lord, that, that, that you are uplifted, that, you're, that your name is magnified, Lord, that you, you take honor and joy in seeing us worship you and seeing us, us, us gather to encourage each other and to really enter into each other's stories. And so, God, we pray right now that your spirit will lead us, guide us, and shape us into the people that you want us to be, Jesus. God, we thank you for this day in Christ's name. Amen. Mm. You know, what was just shared about uh, the other pastor and, and him, his, uh, him losing his father, you know, is, is heartbreaking. It's, it's heart-wrenching, right? You know, for many of us, you know, we may be going through some of life's most horrific situations. About two weeks ago, I had a, a cousin who was in the military. He was a first lieutenant in the military. Uh, was on his uh, base in, uh, in Georgia committed suicide right in front of his wife. Two weeks ago, we went to the funeral, and, you know, as you can imagine, you know, seeing this, this decorated veteran, seeing the, his pictures, I mean, was just, was just heart-wrenching. And all through the seasons of life, we sometimes go through, through heartache, right? We sometimes go through pain. We, we have people that we love who are here one day, and they're, and they're gone the next. We have situations where we're saying, Lord, like, like when, when will the rain ever stop? When, when, when will I see, be able to see through the clouds? And so the challenge of it is as a believer in Christ is being able to say, God, how, how can I continue to trust you when it doesn't look like things are working out so that I can be pleased with it? I want to encourage you today in the book of Genesis. If you have your Bible or you want to see it, see it here on the screen as well, we're going to be looking at Genesis 45. We're going to be looking at uh, the life of Joseph, one of my favorite men in all of the scriptures. Because we all go through life's challenges. We all go through heartache. We all go through pain. But the beauty is that we know that we don't have to go through this by ourselves. Amen? So we know here that Joseph was literally what? Sold into slavery by his family. Sold into slavery by his brothers. Uh, sent away to a foreign land. And that eventually that he was, he was uh, sold and, and bought by a man named Potiphar. And in the midst of working in Potiphar's household, Potiphar's wife 
uh, became uh, interested in, in young Joseph because he was a fine, strapping young man. And one day she made an advance toward him and, and, and grabbed his arm. And that brother said, no. He said, I'm leaving, right? He said he fleed. He left, left his coat as well. Eventually, as time went on, he was arrested because she accused him of doing something that he didn't do. You know, from there, he went to prison. And in prison, God had given him this ability to interpret dreams. He interprets the dreams, right? And eventually interpreted a dream that was for, the, for, was for Pharaoh of Egypt. He leaves the prison, goes into the to the, the castle or, the, or the, goes into the, uh, the kingdom of, uh, of Pharaoh, right? And as he goes into the, 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 um, um, the kingdom, rather, he's now exalted because of this great ability that he has, this ability that he has that God gave him that no one else around Pharaoh had. And so as this took place, we realized that he served faithfully. He served honorably. He served regardless of the circumstances that were around him. And so we're going to pick up right now in this story of what took place when he finally uh, had an interaction with with all of his brothers gathered together in Genesis chapter 45. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. At this time, even Benjamin, all of his brothers had gathered together. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And when they came closer, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. Now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in this land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will, neither, there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in, in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. But God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Friends, today we're going to talk about trusting God through the journey of our pain. Trusting God through the journey of our pain. One, trust in spite of obstacles. Two, trust benefits others. And three, trust God's perfect sovereignty. Trusting in spite of the obstacles, Joseph said to his brothers very clearly, he said, God sent me before you. God sent me before you. And so when we, when we understand this, we, we realize that it had been 22 years since Joseph had seen his brothers, 22 years since, since he had this, this last interaction with him. 22 years since, since he, had, he had seen them eye to eye and face to face and heard their voices. And so as you can imagine, there could have been a number of different responses that Joseph could have made, right? He could have said, <laughs> it's my turn right now. Like, I, can, I can get you. I can finally get you. I can, I can make you guys suffer. I can torment you. 
I can, I can, I can make you all go to prison and, and, and experience whatever I, what I've experienced. I could sell you into slavery. I could do all of these different things. But he chooses not to do so, right? He chooses not to do so. See, somewhere along his journey, Joseph realized that God's plan was sufficient for him. Somewhere along his journey, he realized that God's plan was sufficient for him. Somewhere along his journey, he, had to re- he realized that he had to let go of the bitterness. Somewhere along the journey, he had to realize that forgiveness was his only option. Somewhere along that journey. And he decided, in addition to that, to accept his own journey. Accept the, 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 the plan that God was molding and shaping for his life. And so for him to say, God sent me before you, wasn't just something that he said to, to, to make them feel good or to appease them. He said it because he knew about the power and the grace and the mercy of God. He knew about the, the majesty of who God was and the majesty of how each situation he went in, he was, he was covered and he was protected and God watched over him. And God gave him opportunities to be elevated because of his faithfulness and his integrity, right? And so when we see this, he realized and he trusted God's perfect will for his life. He trusted God. He knew that God's sufficiency was was all that he needed. I mean, because you can imagine being sold into slavery by his brothers. We don't see him complaining, do we? When we see him in prison, Oh, man, I can't stand my brothers. They never liked me. They, 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 were, they were always hating on me, man. They just, they never liked me. They used to look at me in my coat, and, and, and they would try to talk. They would talk about me in front of my face because I, I was one of the younger brothers. We never see that, right? We never see him in Potiphar's house saying, man, I can't stand Potiphar. I don't feel like, like telling the, the crew what to do today in the kitchen. They're always complaining. We never see him say that. We never see him behind Pharaoh's back saying, say things that, that, that really defame his character, do we? We never see any of that. What we see is a man who is consistently, consistently a man of integrity, regardless of the situations that he was in. Being away from his family, being away from his language, being away from his culture. It would be like if someone sent us over to a different country. Someone sent us over to Angola and said, all right, here you go. Work, you know, work for the president of the country and be faithful. Really? What? I want to talk to my mama. You know, I want to, <laughs> right? You know, I want to talk to my friends. Like, this food doesn't taste good. Like, where am I? Right? Like, we never see him complain. And so along the way, he realized at a point that he had to trust in God's sovereignty and that in spite of his obstacles, he knew that God was doing something even greater in his life. You know, folks, one of the greatest challenges for the Christian life is to be faithful when it feels as if God is not near you, right? That's one of the greatest challenges of the Christian life. It's like, Lord, I've been praying and I've been praying, I've been praying, but I'm not hearing you. Lord, I've been, I've been praying for, for, for that job and I'm unemployed and I'm, I, I don't know what to do. God, I've been, I've been praying for this relationship and I'm tired of being single, Lord. Ah, I'm, I want to be in a relationship. You know, for others of us, we've been praying for family members to come to know Christ, and it seems like every time you get together, they, they, they try to talk about you because you are a believer in Christ. It's like, man, I feel like I'm not getting any headway with this person. See, the challenge for us 
is to be able to understand that God sent me, sent us, so that we would be able to, to love him beyond those circumstances and know that even in the midst of the pain, even in the midst of the challenges, even in the midst of feeling like we're not hearing from God, know that he is still working, that he is still working out all things for his glory, for his good, and for that, for, so that his good could be completed in you, right? That regardless of what we go through, that, that we know that we serve a God who's, who, who loves us. And that obstacle might be the, the best thing in your life to make you into the person that he wants you to be. You not getting that job when you want it might be the best thing that God can ever give you to have you wait for him. You know, church, church planning is tough. Church planning is tough. You know, there are times I'm like, Lord, some of the obstacles, I mean, it's, it, it, they can be really challenging. Like, I've never been in a situation when I've been more misunderstood. Like, I've never seen people um, at certain points not give my wife the respect that she needs or she deserves as the, the, the wife of the pastor in a church planning situation, in a church situation. Like, I've seen so many, so many different circumstances. But at the end of the day, the obstacles are to build us up. And the obstacles are to drive us to our knees to say, God, I surrender to you. Because I know that your, your plan in, the, in, in this is far greater than what I'm able to see. Secondly, if we look back, we realize that our trust benefits others. Our trust benefit, uh, benefits others. Theologian A.W. Tozer once said that it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Until he has hurt him deeply. See, as Christians, sometimes we try to, we try to pray away the hurt, right? We try to pray away the pain. We try to pray away the sorrows. And yet God may want to use those obstacles for his glory. But then also, he wants to use those same obstacles to be a blessing to other people, to encourage others. What did he say here in verse, verses 5 and 7? He says, God sent me before you to preserve life. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in, in the nation and to know you to, and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Man, that he trusted, that his, Joseph trusted that his journey would benefit other people. That he realized that, that his sorrows and his, his temporary pain was to be a blessing for others. For the, for, for, for the nation of Egypt itself and for, the, for those that would be coming there to buy grain for the seven years of famine. That he realized his life was something bigger. Mm. That his position in the kingdom was bigger than himself, right? Imagine this, folks. What if every believer in Christ realized that their position in God's kingdom was bigger than themselves? What would happen if we all realized that God's position, that our position in God's kingdom is bigger than ourselves? Like, how would we... How would we really love people? How would we really steward our time? How would we really steward our finances? If we realize that, you know what, me reading my Bible is not just me getting filled up for the day and me going about and just going and, and going on my job or going to school, but me getting filled up in the Word is so that I can be an encouragement to others, 
so that I can be faithful to, to love others who are unlovely, so that I can be someone who, 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 who blesses someone that, that really doesn't add a whole lot, of, a lot to my life materially. What does that look like, folks? What would it look like for each of us to give our lives in such a way where we fully understood the position that God has us in his kingdom? Would it make you look at your Christian walk differently? Because Joseph trusted in his plan, he knew that his, his purpose was to lead, right? That's why he says in verse, verse 8, he has made me, what, a father to Pharaoh. He has made me lord of over his, over his household and ruler over the land, right? That he, in direct relationship with Pharaoh, he had this authority over him because he was helping to, to give guidance and direction. Secondly, he was, he was lord over the household. And so the next scope of what he believed was he understood the, the purpose of, of leading the staff who were there in his kingdom. He understood about leading the people around Pharaoh. But then thirdly, he understood the, 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 the position of leading the rest of the nation. And so he saw all these different influences a part of the authority that God had given him a part of the authority that God had given him. And so my question to you all is this, is that how does your journey and how does, how does your story benefit others? How does it encourage other people? Have you ever spent time really thinking about how God may want to use you to bless others? So if you look at your life and you answer that same question that Joseph did, God sent me, God sent me to blank. How would you respond to it? God sent me to what? How would you answer that question? Would you say, God sent me to to build my life around things that make me happy? God sent me to to do the right thing so so, so that people will pat me on the back and say how great I am? And God sent me to, 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 to do all the Christian things, to, to make others think that I'm, I'm this great Christian person when really I have this hole in my heart. What did God send you to do? Because if we look scripturally that God created us for his glory, right? For his glory, for his honor, that he wants to sanctify us, to make us more like him so that he would use us in such ways that we make others see the light of Christ, that we're called to be salt and light on this earth, that we're called to to build his name and build his glory. That's the purpose of why we're here, folks. And so that pain that you're going through isn't for you. It isn't just for you. It's for you to make it through it so that you can come through on on the the other side and say, God, (laughs) look at what God did. Look at how God brought me through. Look at how God, God... I went through pain and sorrow, and I went through depression, and I went through all of these things. But you know what? I know that God was faithful because he was with me all throughout the way. Friends, we're, 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 we live in the midst of hurting people all around us. All around us, we're in the midst of hurting people. Hurting people do things to hurt themselves and hurt others. And the beauty in Christ is that we have the opportunity to communicate the greatest message that's ever been told. And that's about Jesus and his life-transforming 
love that can change anyone's life, no matter who they are. Mm. Wow. And so that when we go through it, we're able to love like Jesus. One of our, our church verses is out of Psalm 119 and verse 30, 32. For I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free, it says in one version. Another version says, for you have enlarged my heart. That when we love God, that he, he, he gives us a greater heart for the things that honor him. He gives us a greater heart to, to see people the way that he wants us to see them. And so when we, when we, when we trust God in the midst of that pain, we benefit others. That's why even Nehemiah was able to, to gather people, a dejected nation, to help rebuild walls, even though they, they were in deplorable situations. You know, we see David as a, what, a man after God's own heart, right? But realize this, David fought all these battles. He fought all these battles during his lifetime. But we see also in, in Psalm that he prayed for peace. What happened after him? Solomon came on the throne. How many wars did Solomon fight? He didn't fight any, right? That God answered his prayer <laughs> in his son, right? That the, tra- the challenges and the trials that he went through, that his son was able to benefit from his faithfulness after being a man who, who, who was after God's own heart as he repented. Mm. That's why we, as Christians, we always need to realize that God can make beauty out of our chaos. He can make beauty out of our chaos. And for all of us who are here, there are probably things that we're going through right now where we're saying, Lord, it's hard to trust you. Or God, I'm, I'm waiting because I want to, it's not easy, but I, I, I know this is what you want me to do. You know, about a year and a half ago, we had a, a guy in our church who, uh, who was just really rough around the edges. I mean, really rough to the point where we would be, we would have a, like our men's small group, and he would come in and he would give his prayer requests, or he would talk about what was going on in his life. And he, he would begin it by saying, this is no lie, he would say, Lord, close your ears, close your ears, let me talk to the guys for a second. <laughs> and then he would go in and just talk about all the, some of the crazy things he did. And, you know, some of it was comical. But he was really laying his heart out about some of the things he was thinking and things that he was involved in. Well, um, this guy eventually gave his life to Jesus, you know, coming out of just a life that was just deplorable, uh, tough background, everything. And as he came to Christ, slowly, as time went on, you saw some of that, some of that residue sort of come off of his life. And about six months ago, you know, he said that, that he really wanted to be intentional about giving his life away. And part of that was to start praying for his family. So he began praying for his family, praying for his, his parents, his brother, all these different people. And then finally, he prayed for his grandfather. Prayed for his grandfather and um, went back home to Ohio, prayed for him again there. And the grandfather wound up giving his life to Jesus. And, you know, we look at this guy, it's like, man, you led someone to the Lord, man. Praise God. Right? And so he shared his faith with his grandfather. Grandfather accepts Christ. I mean, his, his grandfather, if you hear his story, I mean, this guy was, 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 I mean, just a deplorable man. Gives his life to Jesus. About two months ago, his grandfather goes into the hospital. He, uh, he had a stroke. Had a stroke, lost, you know, part of his, uh, you know, you know, part of his ability to control his body, 
uh, you know, mental capacity, everything. And a few weeks ago, his grandfather passed away. Passed away. I remember after this, you know, asking him the question, like, man, so how you doing, man? How you doing? You know, he said, I'm okay, man. He said, I'm, I'm going to see him again. I'm, I'm going to see my grandfather again. You know, I'm, I'm going I'm to get to, 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 to spend time with him. And so his journey and his, his story and all that he went through was, in a sense, part of what gave him the courage and the passion to really share with his grandfather. And for many of us, there are people around us who would benefit from hearing our story and hearing your journey and hearing your triumphs and hearing your pain and hearing how God is, has worked in your lives. And so when we trust God through the pain, he, we're able to, to benefit others. But then also, when we trust God through, through the pain of our journey, we're able to really understand God's sovereignty. We're able to understand God's sovereignty. You know, because Joseph trusted God's sovereignty, or his, his literally ultimate plan, God's ultimate plan, Joseph gave his best effort. Like we, don't, we, we, we never see Joseph, again, as I said earlier, he never complained, but we never see him give an effort that was outside of his best. That because he knew that God sent him, he, 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 he served in such a way where he wasn't negative, and he gave his best. You know, John, John Piper, former pastor and theologian, once said that the confidence that a sovereign God governs for your good all the pain and all the pleasure that you'll ever experience is an incomparable refuge and security and hope and power in your life. When God's people really live by the future grace of Romans 8.28, that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, they are the freest and the strongest and the most generous people in the world. Hmm. Joseph said, God sent me. And when we trust in God's sovereignty, he provides a confidence to know that, that everything eventually will work out for his glory. That we can have hope in the midst of our pain, that it will all work out for his glory. That, this, that, that, that the blessing of, of that when the storm comes, the storms didn't just come to stay, they came to leave. <laughs> and so we can be encouraged in that. And so that our pain is for the good of the Lord. So that our trials are for the good of the Lord. So that our pleasure is for the good of the Lord. So that our joy is for the good of the Lord. So that our trust is for the good of the Lord. So that our contentment is for the good of the Lord. And so when we trust in God's sovereignty, what it does is it makes us look at ourselves. It makes us look at, look at ourselves Instead of looking at others and saying, and blaming, and looking at others and saying, why did you do this? And look at others and say, I can't believe that, that you put me in this situation. Because what it does is it says, God, I know that what you're doing is bigger than what I'm able to see. And so it, it allows me to not take myself too seriously. You know, Christians can sometimes be the, 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 be the, be the, the saddest people you've ever seen, right? Most long-faced people you've ever seen. We often take ourselves too seriously because if we're in Christ, there should be a joy in our hearts that gives us reason to smile. That when we go around Boston smiling, people should be able to say, man, what, what, what's different about you? 
Like, man, why, 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 why aren't you like the rest of the people? You know, I love going in stores and, and having conversations with people at checkout registers. Hey, how you doing today? You know, do, 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 do. I say, how you doing today? Oh, okay, I didn't know if you were really asking me. Or it's like, like, no. Like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. You know, like, people don't really care when they ask that. I said, no, I care. How are you? And it, you know, leads into a conversation. There are all these opportunities that we have as believers in Christ to show light. And it's not always us coming up to someone and saying, do you know Jesus? If not, you're going to hell, right? But it's being able to shine a light of Christ because you never know what someone may be going through. You know, one of the things that, that, that I often do is when I'm going out to eat, you know, I'll have a, a conversation with my server. And I'll say, you know what? How can we be praying for you? I say, what? So I say, how can we be praying for you? We're going to pray for our meal, and I just want to know, how can we pray for you? Uh, oh, man. Oh, wow. I mean, it, it throws them off. And at certain times, you know, someone says, pray for peace for the world. You know, you, you, you get that. But then there are other times where people say, you know, I, I, my mom is, is in the hospital. Can you pray? And so when they're coming back, they're in tears. And we're not just praying for our food, but we're praying with them as well. And so you just never know how you can be light to someone else, how you can be an encourager to someone else to enter into their story and enter into their journey as well. And so when we understand that, that God is sovereign and when we trust in, in, in his sovereignty, we're able to look at others the way that Christ sees them and not see them just for what we can get out of them. It helps us to to be able to take life for what it is and slow down in the moment. To take life from such a way where we're able to enjoy where we are and to have contentment in the season of life that God has us in. Family, when we trust God through the journey of our pain, that hopefully we're able to, to trust God in the midst and in spite of our obstacles. Hopefully we're able to trust, to understand that our trust benefits others. And then thirdly, that our trust, that we, that we can trust in God's perfect sovereignty. Because if we look at Joseph's life and his mission, it parallels that to the life of Christ. Because Jesus was rejected by his brothers as well. Jesus was sold for silver. He suffered in a foreign land for the good of those who betrayed him. Joseph. Forgiving spirit foreshadows the attitude of Jesus, who would one day cry from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That's why in verse 8 is sort of the culmination and the climax of all that he went through and saying that, therefore, it was not you who sent me, but God. And he made me a father to Pharaoh, a lord over his household, and a ruler over the land of Egypt. Family, this is what God desires for our lives. He desires to be our father, to be the one who's in relationship with us, the one who's bringing encouragement to us, the one who's helping to guide us along the way. He wants to be Lord over our lives, that we're able to say, God, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you everything that I have, Lord, because I trust in you that we give him our ambitions, that we give him our dreams, that we give him our education, that we give him our family, that we make him Lord over everything. But then also we make him ruler, that we desire to, to, to submit and to surrender to his will and his way, 
that we allow him to be the one that guides and directs us through his Holy Spirit. And so this is a foreshadow of Christ, folks. And for each of us, it should bring encouragement to know that when I'm going through, I can trust the one who wants me to call him daddy, that I can trust the one who wants me to to see him as my Lord, that I can trust the one who, who designed my life so that he could rule over me because his ways are perfect. His ways are higher than my ways, and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so that when we're able to trust in him, we realize that this journey is only for a season, that the pain that I'm going through is only temporary, because the God that created me and knows me and knows my struggle is continually with me. And those concerns that I have, that he cares more about those concerns than I do, that he cares more about your witness on that job than you do. He cares more about the hurt that you're going through than you do. He cares more about that family member who just can't get it right than you do. He cares more about that job that you're going to get one day after graduating from school than you do. And so take confidence in trusting in his grace and in his love because he cares for you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you as a family. That God, that whether we're in Jamaica Plain, Roslindale, West Roxbury, Hyde Park, Roxbury, no matter where we are, anywhere around the world, we can trust in you. And we fully want to be people who surrender daily to you for your grace. Surrender daily to you because you ultimately care so much about the struggle that we're going through, Lord. And so, God, I pray that that you would continue to encourage Charles River Church, that you would continue to build them up, that you would continue to, to, to walk with them and guide them and direct them, Lord. Help them to see your grace in the midst of the challenges of setting up and tearing down, in the midst of seeing people come and go, in the midst of, of seeing people who project one face, but then as time goes on, act totally different. I pray that this would be a church where people would see the beauty of your kingdom and would find their joy and hope and peace in you through this local church. I pray that there would be people here who see their, the value of the body of Christ is not just to come and, and, and see what the church can do for, for them, but to be people who see that their lives are an expression of you and that you have called them to come and serve and build your kingdom. And so, Jesus, we just pray that you will continue to bless this body of Christ far greater than what they're able to see as they continually trust you and believe in you and place their hope in you, Lord. God, we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good to be with you guys.